I'm a sophisticated and so can you. The show that engages with the canon so that you don't have to. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony. And I'm another of your hosts, Sydney. That's a third of your hosts, Pipette. Yes. <laughs> so we're here with you <laughs> to talk about some very important things. This uh, week we I are... don't remember what they are. Okay. So... Arcade Fire. Yes. Okay. Let's <laughs> Hang on. This is backing up no, a second. Embrace it. Okay. My brain just like fully turned to mush. I think what happened is my ADHD meds just like dropped off a cliff as they sometimes do around 730. Yeah. So this week we are doing Arcade Fire and Moonstruck. We did some pretty heavy work last time yeah. with LaBelle and Mulholland Drive. And we had been talking about doing Arcade Fire since the very beginning when we first put together yeah, the Arcade envelope. Arcade Fire, I think... Like Slater Kinney is one that it's like, oh, that's not that's not like, oh, I'm embarrassed because like they're so important and it's a big deal. It's like, no, that's like a straight up genuine lie that I have said to many people's faces mm-hmm. because I should be someone who likes Arcade Fire. Yeah. In college, numerous people whose taste I respect told me that Arcade Fire was their favorite band and the best live show they'd ever been to. And I would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love Arcade Fire. (laughs) Yeah, because I went to a school full of hipsters. It was definitely like I have a list and Arcade Fire is on it of all the bands where I was like, "Mm, mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm, yeah, 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 yeah. That includes Fleet Foxes and Flaming Lips. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely know that one song that was in the Where the Wild Things Are movie. Yeah. And I have a story about it that I'm going to tell you now. Great. (laughs) This kid at my school, Brendan McDonough, at the like the theater kids take over the theater and get drunk and do dumb stuff mm-hmm. event that happens. You guys know it. He and a couple other people were just like jamming, being, you know, indulgent boys with instruments. And he started playing Wake Up. And everybody in the theater was like, because it was like happening right then. Yeah. yeah. Everybody in the theater, it was like a moment, like everybody did all the OAs together. But I did not, I just knew it as the song from Where the Wild Things Are movie. And later at the bar, I was like, what is that song, though? And he was like, what song? And I was like, you know, the one you did that's like such a thing with the always. And he was like, no, like, I don't remember. We did all originals. Like, what are you talking about? And I was like, no, 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 no. At at the very end, you did that, that like epic song that everyone loves. And he was like, I don't know what you mean. And I was like, okay. And he was like, I don't. Sorry, do it again. And I, I didn't realize until like probably years later that he was just fucking with me like he was just trying to get a drunk girl to go ah, ah, wah, wah, wah. but i mean he got me to do it like three times <laughs> that is funny because <laughs> he was like well, that's you're not even singing words like what song are you talking about <laughs> Look, on the list of things that a man could do to a drunk girl, getting her to sing Arcade Fire at you with a completely straight face, that's one of the best choices you can make. He was, shout out to Brendan McDonough, he was like a prankster that you couldn't be mad at. Like one time there were two water fountains next to each other that if they were both on, they were both lower. But I didn't know that. And I was trying to drink out of one of them and he was just like playing with the handle of the other one. And I was having just like such a hard time. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't like afterwards, he was like, I'm sorry, it's because I'm playing with the handle. Like I did this to you. And I couldn't even be mad because I was like, that is a funny joke. And he did it with such like, both that and the arcade fire. (laughs) He did it with such joy. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like he was winning. I didn't feel like he like had one over on me. Right. It was just about like bringing more whimsy into the world. Right. It was about the doing of the bit. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But I think we could all take a lesson from Brendan McDonough as far as like positioning yourself in the bit as like a non-predator. Yeah. <laughs> like it is possible to play a trick on someone in a way that is kind and fun. Well, that is the essence of clowning. <laughs> Yeah, he had strong clown vibes. Which is great. But to bring it back to Arcade Fire. Yes, anyway. That is one of those things that I have been actively lying about. Do you think that you're going to like it? I know that their new album just came out and people love it. So I actually don't. And I have no reason. I Because I really like Wake Up. But it's like your songs can't all be Wake Up. I think I'm basing this on the fact that like other bands, like other songs that tickle that same like let's be epic songs that give me that energy i don't like the rest of the band like 
tonight tonight oh fun no oh also that actually okay you're thinking of we are young tonight oh smashing pumpkins yes they're both tonight songs yes both those songs do what i'm saying are have let's be epic vibes Mm-hmm. And both those songs don't need anything else the band has ever recorded. Okay. So, I don't know. I, it's really unfair. I hope I love them. Maybe this will be another Evanescence. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Uh, or another Slater Kenny. Let's be real. We both didn't think we were going to like Slater Kenny. Yeah, but I, I just have this feeling like you just sometimes you get, sometimes you tap into some kind of like energetic current of epicness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that does not correlate, I think, often to good songwriting all the time like sometimes you just find you just hit it yeah that's that's entirely possible i am a little worried that they're gonna use up all their energy on that song or that they're gonna have like one of those per album yeah because i think they've got like six albums or something like that it's about the same size as the labelle discography it's not huge but it's not that small so we'll see. I feel like probably focus a decent amount of energy on that album that Wake Up is from because I feel like that's wound up on some best album lists. Yeah. But I also do want to pay attention to their new one because I did read, I read a review in the New Yorker that said it was excellent. Oh, okay. Yeah. But honestly, I, I feel like the cultural criticism in the New Yorker is usually really insightful and on point, except for yeah. one of their two movie critics, but that's a thing for another day. Okay, just a personal vendetta we've just uh, exposed just a personal feeling that richard brody needs to calm the fuck down okay anywho should we talk about moonstruck sure yeah okay so moonstruck i yeah this was something i think we thought of a little later and it was immediately like oh fuck yes yes, yes. That is, i have not been directly lying i haven't needed to but it is like this is the opposite end of the spectrum of like oh i no, i owe it to like culture mm-hmm. to have seen this not just the people that i've lied to who I- are my peers as a person who grew up with Italian relatives in New York okay. in the 90s and early aughts, okay. this is like some of the water I swam and had like a heavy dose. Like, I feel like my parents quote this movie all the time and half of it goes over my head. Yeah. Like, snap out of it, obviously. Yeah, I, I feel like I don't know anything about it except snap out of it. I think you recently told me who she slaps. Nicolas Cage. Yeah, I did not know that. I think Nicolas Cage either has a cast on his arm for the whole movie or a prosthetic arm. I only I know it from like RuPaul imitating it. Yeah. This is another thing that I'm watching for a greater RuPaul literacy. I am expecting this to be kind of in the same vein as my Big Fat Greek Wedding. You know how like aggressively Greek that movie is? I'm expecting this to be like aggressively Italian-American. That's a good image. What's the movie with Marissa Tomei? (laughs) My Cousin Vinny? Yeah. I did not know this about Moonstruck, but what you're telling me makes it seem like maybe Moonstruck is like that. I think it's got a little bit more like dramatic heft to it because I think My Cousin Vinny I've seen a few times. That is a straight comedy. Yeah. I think Moonstruck is a little bit more towards how Stella got her groove back in its tone, but I have also read that it is legitimately very funny. Okay, yeah. So it's like- I mean, Cher is funny. Yeah, Cher is funny. I have a question. Sure. Does Cher have an Oscar for this film? Yes. Okay. I always think this is just a free opinion of mine, but I feel like the EGOT, I feel like you should have to, because the way to EGOT really is to just write a song and win an Emmy and an Oscar for a song that you wrote. Yeah. But I feel like, does Cher have an EGOT? I don't know. I mean, she definitely has a Grammy and an Oscar. And to me, it is meaningful if you get the Grammy for a song and the Oscar for acting. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's what the spirit of the EGOT wants to get at, is that you have succeeded in multiple areas, not just placed your skills strategically. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like if Gaga had won for A Star is Born. Yes. Gaga still could, I think. I mean, she has an Oscar, so she already has that. But I, I still think I still think she has an acting Oscar in her at some point in her yeah. career. And to me, that would, that would be, if she gets the other ones, mm-hmm. <laughs> that would make the EGOT more the spirit of the thing and not just the letters of the thing. Yeah. You want, it, you want Lady Gaga to have an EGOT, not just an EGOT. Yes. Although I would be happy for her Tony to come from either writing or acting. She can have a Tony for anything she wants, and that I'll still be happy about it. 
Yeah, I, I feel that. I, I mean, mostly just because I would love to see a musical that Lady Gaga wrote the music. And yeah, I think, she, like, I, I think would... she would write a great musical, but I also think she would star in a great musical. Like, yeah. do a great job at a thing, something that already exists. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I, you know my dream gender-blind casting of her. Uh, no. I want her to be Ewan McGregor in Moulin Rouge. Oh, well, hey, it's running. I think she would crush, and I think that's a, that is a fun show to start breaking some of those barriers. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's because she covered your song. I didn't oh, pull yeah. this out of my butt. I mean, I wish I did, but it, she covered your song, and I was like, mm. Yeah. Do you think you're going to like this movie? Yeah. 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 I think I'm going to like it, not love it. Yeah, I, I think, think I'm, I'm going to have be fun. Like, yeah, all right. Yeah, I think I'm going to have fun. Because people don't talk about it as like, remember when we did Spinal Tap and that people were like, this is the funniest movie that's ever been made. People were like, this movie's legitimately very funny. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. I am worried that I'm going to cringe at the like Italian-American-ness of it a little bit. Oh, yeah. Just because for me personally, that is a thing that I deal with where I'm like, oh, this is like, it's the same reason I can't watch The Real Housewives of New Jersey because I'm yeah. like, oh, I know these people. Yeah. This is tough. But I won't be taking any of that personally. I don't know. I think it just might be a little like this movie is from the past and, you know, there might just be a little like, okay, that's what movies were and it's not what they are now and we've made better ones. Yeah, we'll I don't see. Know, we'll see. That makes me feel like so cynical, but I, I, but that is kind of what I think sometimes about. I mean, I think you had said that about Casablanca was your worry. Yeah, it's my worry about anything that was made before 2001, but I don't think I'm, yeah. I think it's going to be fine. I think it's going to be fine. Yeah, I think we're going to have fun. We picked this because we figured this would be less heavy. And I think that I'm going to feel like, as with what happened to Bibi Jinjie, I think I'm going to feel good that I did it. Same. Glad that I saw it. Like it's a thing that is like relevant to people whose opinion I care about, as opposed to like Butch Cassidy, which is like, okay, I did my homework and like for who, for what crowd? Like, oh, now I'm slightly more literate amongst like, dads yeah people who like <laughs> cowboy movies like oh thank god yeah exactly <laughs> was worried about embarrassing my dad yeah 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 yeah. like this is gonna be relevant to my life yeah all right well we'll jump into the future and when we come back we will tell you all about arcade fire and moonstruck bye-bye hello welcome to the future oh yeah <laughs> Every fucking time. <laughs> I'm surprised <laughs> by how our podcast works. <laughs> I do not know. <laughs> Just shocked by the concept. Yeah, I am startled every time. I'm startled every time that that we aren't beginning a new podcast and then and then sometimes when we are, I'm 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 not ready to do it. Yeah. Okay, so here we are in the future. <laughs> yes, here we are in the future. What are we covering? We are in the future, and I, I don't know if it's worth saying, because it will, because in the past we did not have this sound stuff. Do, we, do you want oh, yeah. to acknowledge that? If we sound different than we did literally 20 seconds ago, it's because we bought new microphones. It's true. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We upgraded we, our We got some new toys, and for, for this one it's weird because we recorded the before without it. Right, exactly. Um, so that's just a little, you know, how the sausage is made. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> now that I remember how our podcast works, should we just should we just dive right in? Yeah, absolutely. Should I should I count us in for for Moonstruck? Yes. Okay, I have to decide what my feelings are about it. All right. One, two, three. Sometimes you got a babada boopy. <laughs> Sleepy, <laughs> but points were made. <laughs> yeah. It was funny when we were watching it because you never fall asleep in movies. Rarely. It's, it's hard. It's, yeah. And you were not sleeping through this, but I could tell you were struggling. I was fighting. Yeah, you were struggling. Especially Ari, the first half. Yeah, Ari was done like pretty quickly. She yes, was pretty just much immediately out. lulled. Yeah. Which she has said before is not a reflection on the quality. It's true. Of the material or the excitement level of the material <laughs> yeah it's just the way her body works i don't know i just found it i found it really really sleepy there just there were a lot of like old uncles there were a lot, there a lot of, of like old italians yeah just a lot of like extended family just a lot of like b plot mm -hmm. that like 
I understand is there to resonate mm-hmm. with Sharon Nicholas Cage, but I wasn't very interested. Sure. And it the 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 farther we got from like Cher caring about it, mm-hmm. the less I cared about it. So like her parents I cared a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. Because I know that she cares. Then once we got farther out from that, there's like there's like a brother or a sister or like there's just like a lot of other old Italians floating around yeah. that Cher never interacts with or has any like like it doesn't matter to her. It we're seeing some stuff from them because we want to hear some perspective about being moonstruck and just like the state of being Italian in Brooklyn and just, you know, counter theme and resonance and like they just wanted to do that and I just couldn't stay awake for it. Yeah. So this movie's 35 years old, which I think is part of the reason why it feels kind of pokey. It has sort yeah. of pokey sensibilities. Yeah, that, it's got that, that 80s vibe. Yeah, we know how to make a movie tighter. Even though the movie is not long, it's an hour and 40. No, it's not. I don't know if it's an issue of tightness. It's an issue of I don't care about this part. Yeah, it's yeah. an issue of like of what kinds of subplots serve a story. Yeah, and I think our tastes have just evolved past this. But I, I don't think it. It's not like it was sloppy. No, it was very clearly planned. But I think, and I might have said this to you a couple of days ago when we watched it. It felt like it had that sort of like old school story beats mentality of like, yeah, here's the A plot, and then a certain amount of the movie has to be dedicated to the B plot, which yeah. in this case is the mom and the dad. Shares like, mom and dad. On this page, it's this, and on this page, it's this. Right, exactly. And how do we heighten the stakes of their relationship? Well, save the cat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like some of that stuff that I feel like I've picked up by osmosis, you I'm sure know it. I would far love to know I. what year Save the Cat was written. Oh, not till two thousand five. Oh, weird. Some other piece of filmmaking wisdom surely informed the structure of this film. Yes, <laughs> it is a very old school structure to a film. And it felt very like deliberate. It felt like this is how you make a movie. And apparently it was because it won. It won Best Original Screenplay. It was a weak year. Sure. So Moonstruck won in the 1987 Oscars. The other nominees that year were Goodbye Children, Broadcast News, Hope and Glory, and Radio Days. I've literally never heard of any of those things. Yeah. So maybe 1987 wasn't the best year. It's just the best year to be born. Well, okay. Think about it this way. But not to make something. This movie probably wasn't made in 87. It was probably made in 86 and released in 87 because what was nominated in 88, can I give you the 88 nominees? Sure. Rain Man won. Okay. Rain Man was up against Big, Bull Durham, A Fish Called Wanda, and Running on Empty. I've never heard of Running on Whoa. Empty, but the rest of these, I'm like, oh, yeah, those Any three those classic movies. would have beaten Moonstruck, I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh, A Fish Called Wanda any day yeah yeah i'm shocked honestly well let's watch rain man i don't fucking know but i'm surprised it didn't win yeah so it was it was a weak year for best original screenplay but it i mean you said it yourself points were made it's not like it's bad yeah okay it's very what it is so let's so let's talk about the things i did like i liked share in it a lot i don't share did a great job yeah and it's i don't think we'll be the first to say it It has a similar vibe to like when lady gaga took the screen and i have more of like Mm -hmm. a personal investment in lady gaga just because of the age that i am yeah but it's just like i got it i got the thrill of seeing her not just get by but thrive and carry a film after that hadn't been her primary like famous persona before yeah i found her i thought she did a great job and i and i found her very magnetic and i cared about her i I was invested yeah i also i don't like nicholas cage i never have just something about him don't have a good reason just don't like his vibe sure (laughs) and i didn't really like him in this And I didn't really like his character. And as you said, as we were watching it, this movie does suffer, I think, from the syndrome of, like, grumpy men are inherently interesting. Yes. Oh, yes. I mean, there is literally a point where someone looks at Nicolas Cage and goes, that is the most tormented man in the world. And I'm absolutely in love with him. And he doesn't know. Oh, yeah. Oh. I was like, way to make the subtext text, Shanley. Yeah. I did really like surface from sleep for that moment. And I was like, oh, girl, he knows. 
Yeah. He definitely knows. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was a, a nice moment. He's What did I say? I said, is he a manic tr- pixie dream boy? And you said, no, that the word for that is... Chaotic goblin line cook? Yes. He is literally a chaotic goblin baker. He is, yeah. He like sits in a basement and shovels. It looked like he was shoveling coal, but he was like, I shovel dough into these ovens. And I'm like, you shovel dough? Like, it's unclear what he is doing down there. Yeah. And then he definitely like, just story-wise, he's like, he's definitely an insane person. He's not well. No, he's he's not well. And he is just like, immediately, he's like, Cher, I'm in love with you. In a way that I think a modern audience responds to with more skepticism it's like sir you do not know her yes and to be fair Cher responds with an iconic moment yes (laughs) so okay so we should before we get too far into that we should say that the conceit of this movie is pretty straightforward Cher is a widow who is engaged to Danny Aiello who is like a 40 year old kind of uh, nobody potato man because she she's feeling stale on the shelf mm-hmm. after like it's been a while since her first marriage and she doesn't want to be not married and she's pretty clear that she doesn't want it it sounds like the first one like it's hard when your spouse dies <laughs> yeah and he dies in like a way that is sad and also tinged with goofiness she keeps talking about how he was hit by a bus yeah and i think she makes it clear that she doesn't want this marriage she just doesn't want it to be hard again she Mm -hmm. doesn't it's like her mother olympia dukakis asks if she is in love with this man she's gonna marry and she says no and her mom says good and she's like i know right like yeah good because if you do they drive you crazy right like that'll just be a fucking hassle and this way (laughs) it'll be chill yeah like this dude's chill and he ticks the boxes. Right. Like he's that's, successful. That's he likes good. you. He's nice to you. Yes. Is he kind of a dipshit? Yeah. Yeah. But, but like, at this point, I think she doesn't really see why she should have better. Right. Exactly. And so I just want to remark on this because I think this is one of the funnier bits of setup. Danny Aiello's character's name is Johnny Camareri and his brother, Nicolas Cage, is Ronnie Cameron. They are Johnny and Ronnie. <laughs> yeah. So Cher originally goes to see Ronnie to invite Ronnie to the wedding after she and Johnny get engaged and they immediately fuck. Yeah. Like immediately she meets him. He does a three minute monologue about how he lost his hand and is a oh, tormented right. soul. Yeah, we have this oh yeah, Nicholas Cage has one hand. He, doesn't have a hand. <laughs> he has no hand, but he's wearing what looks like not a prosthetic hand, but like a Freddy Krueger glove. Cause you can see his palm, like his real actual palm. Yeah. So it's more like he it's has no fingers. It's more like he but... just lost all his fingers and. He lost it in a deli slicing accident. Yeah. And it's like, it's before CGI. So they yeah. just like fit him with a really tight glove that looks like wood. Yeah, and if you're like, that looks like one step away from Buster Bluth's fake hand in season four of Arrested Development, you're not wrong. Yes. He has one of those. Yes, but that's really just there to like be his damage or whatever. I don't know. So what I want to (laughs) say about that character in this film is that he's an archetype that I don't appreciate and do not think was done remarkably in this film, especially. Mm-hmm. However, I felt that some the writing of his love odes to her, his yeah. his beseeches to mm-hmm. her, really touched me. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I've said before on this podcast that I am not even a closet, just as like an unlikely romantic in mm-hmm. my heart. Yeah, and I felt like this movie really, in the good parts of it, the mm-hmm. good third. Yeah. Really expressed the kind of cynical, like nihilist romance that feels right to me. Mm-hmm. So when they're having like their climactic fight where it's it's supposed to be over for real so she could just marry his stupid brother. Yeah. He says something to her that's like, no, this is what love is supposed to be. Like we're supposed to tear each other up. It's supposed to be awful. We're supposed to just destroy each other. And that's the like, that is the greatest version of intimacy and love that you can find with another person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I don't know. It just like, I don't know. That makes it sound so like abusive and tragic. And that's not what I mean. I I think I see what you're saying. I do remember 
it feeling like it is in conversation with what Olympia Dukakis says before of like when you love someone, they drive you crazy. Yes, I think that is the thesis of the film, I would say, is that true love will drive you crazy. Right, exactly. And, and that's what it feels like. It's not like he is abusive to her emotionally or verbally or anything throughout the couple of days of their romance. It's just that he's <laughs> such a, a tormented, weird guy. And she's always like, you drive me fucking crazy with your like your weird pines to Rome because he's also like an opera aficionado and so he's just got this like super romantic idea of how the world should work and it's like kind of baroque and out of step with the cynical nature of the times and so she's like this is just so hard to deal with and he's like yeah because you care yes like it only hurts because you care so much right okay I found the thing I, th I think this is gonna help Okay. Cher's name is Loretta, which is, it's wild that it's not Cher, but. Loretta Castorini. Yeah. His argument to her for why they should be together is, <laughs> Loretta, I love you. Not like they told you love is. And I didn't know this either, but love don't make things nice. It ruins everything. It breaks your heart. It makes things a mess. We aren't here to make things perfect. We're here to ruin ourselves and break our hearts and love the wrong people and die. And that, so, okay, so. It's I, like get messy, make mistakes from the magic yes, school okay, bus. Okay, so, no, but this is why I wanted to find it because I feel like the way I said it first, I made it sound like, like this dark directed room for, I don't know. But that is how I, that's how I feel. <laughs> I think that's true. And, and I think it's lovely. Yeah. Cause it's like, if you risk nothing, you will never succeed. Right. Like you'll never fail, but you will also never succeed. Right. And I don't know how to like rationalize it, why that's so romantic to me and why it doesn't make me sad at all. I just can tell you that I feel like it's, that feels true and like a, like a good, positive, beautiful thing to me that people can wreck each other so hard. That's what we're supposed to do, man. Why exist? Why apply for a position on this planet if you're not going to, go hard yeah exactly and like that might destroy you but also that's the only way you're gonna get anything worth getting yeah that's how i feel and i i liked hearing it from him so sincerely you know there's there's a i think a sincerity deficit some things have changed about movies that i like more now but it is it's funny to watch a movie from the 80s because they're so earnest yeah and they're so like focused on theme like, yeah yeah yeah, this, yeah whole... they're not shy at all about like harping on things yeah like this whole movie's called moonstruck and there's a scene like 20 minutes in where a bunch of old italian men are standing around while their dogs pee on a grave don't worry about it and one of them is like oh la bella luna la bella luna key and then he says it in english he's like the love moon is here and it's the time for people to fall in love and then yeah. every night and this whole movie takes place over like three days yeah every night you see this like giant full moon and there's like old people smashing and Sharon yeah. Nicholas Cage are smashing. It's just the fuck moon is here and people gonna fuck yeah. is like the theme of the movie. Yeah. But it's also like why they fall for each other so hard. Yeah. And then they play that fucking song at the beginning and end of the movie. They um, open and close with That's Amore. My, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of my very least favorite song. Annoying music choices. Yeah. Like why didn't they just have Cher write something? <laughs> Maybe like, they couldn't afford her. Shallow. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my main things about it is that I I found it sleepy but I did think that the actual like the heartwood of the love story was like Yeah, and I will say as someone who grew up in New York in the like late 90s early aughts and looking at how my family interacts with each other. Like so many people, I feel like when I was growing up were trying to be the Sopranos, but I feel like my family was a little bit more trying to be the family from Moonstruck. Like just the idea of like the conversations that end with people yelling and you know no one's mad at each other. They're just like getting worked up. Sure. The like overdramatic nature of the, particularly the dad. Yeah, we don't yell. If somebody's yelling in my family, it's really bad yeah whereas like <laughs> in my family my dad will regularly not even if he's upset he will regularly take a trip to the local cemetery so he can talk to grandma sure like that's that's just the kind of person he is and i don't think that's a bad thing but like i also grew up in a family that was at least partially italian so like watching this i was like oh yeah i know these people a little more familiarity yeah and like you know i was feeling a little homesick this week so even though i haven't lived in new york in like 11 years so i was just like oh yeah this is kind of like a warm blanket kind of cozy 
cozy, yeah. Yeah, cozy. Stressful if I'm actually in it, but yeah. it's kind of cozy. I also wanted to say that I appreciated just how Italian these names were. Yeah, Like oh, yeah. we already mentioned the Camareris. Also, they did not do any differentiation in the last names. There's the Camareris, then there's Cher's family, the Castorinis, and then there's the other old people, the Capamagis, yeah. which is like, First of all, I appreciate that all of those names are four syllables. Like real, yeah. real good Baba da Boopy names. Yes, very Baba da Boopy. Yeah. And um, like everyone runs a deli or a bakery. Yeah. And I just like the specificity of like Cher's family is rich and her dad is a plumber, which feels like a real like New York union shop skilled labor yes, thing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even when I was growing up, you could still like go to someone's house and they'd have a really nice house and you're like, what does your dad do? And they're like, bricklayer that doesn't happen out here yeah no i found it fun and i do think that if you are someone who grew up in the northeast particularly new york in a certain time and place with a certain social strata this is gonna feel very familiar i will say the slap the famous slap loved it yeah that was great <laughs> like knew it was coming literally the only thing that i knew about moonstruck i think i said in the past before yeah. we had these microphones that that's all i know about moonstruck is that Cher's gonna slap him and say snap out of it yeah it, like so i knew i knew and it was still awesome like yeah. we I, we all three of us were like yay <laughs> it was like a like a sports game yeah it was really fun um I think because it comes at a moment where it just feels so earned because it was one of those things where... Yes, yes, yes. It's like, you know how in it a rom-com... so authentic. Yeah, I'm sure in 87 it felt subversive because it's like those rom-coms where like people fall in love with each other over one day and it's like they smashed all night, got up the next day, and Nicolas Cage says, I'm in love with you, and she just slaps him twice in the face, which that was the part I didn't know. It's yeah. that she hits him twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of being like, oh, yay, a man loves me. Yeah, she's like, that's insane. Yeah. And I don't have time for it. Who do you think you are? Yeah. One-handed man? Yeah. We just rubbed our jeans on each other. This is also one of those movies where they, quote, unquote, start having yeah. sex, and they are still the both sex was fully clothed. so puzzling to me. Fully clothed. They, like, didn't even make any gestures at undressing each other, but they did do some thrusting. And it's like, just pick one. Movies. Yeah. If, like, if you don't have the time or the MPAA to spare, just have them make out a little bit. Have them make out and lay it down. Like, yeah, like, we all know where fine. it's going. Yeah. Or if you want to make it spicy, I need to believe that their skin is touching. Right. You can't just skip from, like, it's a kiss, and now they're laying on a bed fully clothed, and now we're close on their faces and there's thrusting and like oh godding that's not mm -hmm. don't do that don't right. do that to me yeah and I, i'm smarter than that yeah and i even said to you i was like i bet they're just rubbing their jeans on each other really hard yeah i mean listen we were all 15 once yeah <laughs> that's a valid form of sexual contact if yes. that's what you're into but like these are grown-ass adults right with these some people... very believable sexual chemistry yeah like i just wanted to believe that their parts were connected yeah like, i don't know i so that was a little bit of a bummer do we have anything else to say about that? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Wait, I have one more little thing I want to say about it, which okay. is it's always funny watching movies that have the Twin Towers in them. Oh, yes. And that, that does feature pretty prominently. Like, they show well, them but a lot. Every movie in New York, you can't. They're so tall. Yeah. Like every movie in New York for the years that the Twin Towers existed. It's like, there they are. And I don't know why. It's, it's like, I'm not, I guess for a while it was like, uh, oh, oh. But now it's it's been a long ass time that they haven't been there. And I don't know. It just like still kind of strikes me. Yeah. I mean, we're coming up on it's not quite yet, but we're coming up on they will have been down longer than they were up. Right. Yeah. How, yeah. Yeah. They went up in the 70s and they came down in 2001. So like can't have been more than 30 yeah, years. But like but it was a, a much filmed 30 years. <laughs> yes, it was. I don't think I realized how weird September 11th was because I was a child. And then when you look at things where the Twin Towers are just existing naturally in a world where it, that wouldn't happen. Right. It's like, yeah, it's very weird that that happened. Yes. <laughs> that was a very bizarre turn of events. It was a weird day. <laughs> it was. So with that being said, okay. <laughs> who is Moonstruck for? 
I think if you're the kind of person who is like, have I missed the boat? Am I too old to find love? I feel like this movie is for you because the whole thesis of this movie is, no, you're never too old to like have passion in your life and have love. And Well, like... she's 37. I was talking about the old people who smash. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, no, no. I, I, <laughs> yeah, she's 37. and 37 I think... can, can feel that way. Yeah, but like everyone's fucking in this movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, and it's not always interesting, but it is always there. Yeah, like a lot of things that I think you know if it's for you. I think it's for people older than us. I, yeah. I think it's for all the people who saw it when it came out and loved it and still quote it. I, I think it found its audience. Yeah, I think it's for New Yorkers over 50. Yeah. And they are, they ha they have it. And I will say, it's not a bad movie. I mean, no. we've said this before. It's not a bad movie. So if you're interested in watching it, I'm not going to slap it out of your hands. Like No, and I, as a signing curriculum, if we would like to turn our attention there, I, oh, yeah. I would much sooner assign this than like Chinatown. <laughs> yeah. If I were just trying to like instill film literacy in someone who's like, show me, show me some famous films with iconic moments in them that will give me an idea of what like what's good about filmmaking, what's it all about? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would way rather show this than like all those gritty seventies. Mm -hmm. Like you know, obviously that's if you want to know about gritty seventies, like go get that. But like. It's quick. It's charming. The actors are all really good. Yes, the acting is good. And to me, the tortured thesis about the nature of love is legit mm -hmm. and well expressed. Yeah. So if you were to put this in the class, what is love? Would you make it a required text in what is love? No. No? Would you make it an optional text? Sure. Okay. So if someone came up to you at a party and said that their favorite movie was Moonstruck and they were our age, yeah. what would you do? Like, if they're over 50 or even over 40, yes. I'd be like, that's if, fine. Yes, that's if fine. they were an old person, I would be really happy that I'd seen it and, like, excited to talk. I would be like, this is a quality old person. Yes. And we're going to have a great talk now. Yes. And then I'd be really glad that I took the time to watch this movie, mm -hmm. even though it was hard to stay awake for some of it. Yeah. If someone my age or younger said that it was their favorite movie. Yeah. Not just someone else brought it up and they were like, I enjoyed it. They brought it up. They brought it up. I would think that was pretty bizarre. I would search for, I don't know, I just You'd have follow-up questions. <laughs> yes. Is there a, like a reason, do you have a special interest mm -hmm. in this, in something about this? Why? How? Now, right. I don't know. It's not a great sign. I think you're right. It would be bizarre. Like, I just don't think it would happen. Yeah. Because it's not the kind of movie that film bros would like. It's not the kind of no, movie that like people- No, it's like kind of a chick flick. Yeah, but it's also not the kind of movie that people like ironically. I feel like there exist hardcore Nick Cage people. Yeah. Who just like really are dedicated to like the catalog. Sure. If someone my age said, my favorite actor is Nicolas Cage. I've seen all of his movies. Mm -hmm. I will watch him do anything, which they have to me before. And mm -hmm. I'm always like, I don't like that. Yeah. Don't do that near me. If they followed that up with, and my favorite one is Moonstruck, then I would be like, we are back online. <laughs> yes. You can't be a bad person and like Moonstruck. There's just too much to like. And there's just too much that's there that's not what like toxic film bros crave. Yeah. That I'm not going to think you're a bad person, but I think if you're younger, I think I'm going to think you're either a very weird person, which or isn't necessarily a bad thing. haven't seen any movies. Yeah. Or like you still have your parents' taste in movies. Right. Yeah. Which also isn't a terrible thing, but then I might turn around and be like, mm, <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah, like if like a little kid was like, my favorite movie is Moonstruck, I'd be like, yeah, same reaction as the old person. I'd be yeah. like, we are about to have a great talk. Yeah, it's like if you are over 50 or under 15. Yeah, sit down, have some French fries. It's, yeah, it's an indication of- We are of, chatting now. It's an indication of taste. Yeah. Like, okay, cool. I will respect the taste of anyone who thinks their favorite movie is Moonstruck. It would just be very strange if they were between the ages of 15 and 50. How, how oddly specific of us. Should we move on? <laughs> I think so. I think we're, we really covered it. Let's just take a little break and come back. That's a good idea. Let's take a break and come back with Arcade Fire. Do you like cute dogs? Of course you do. We have a cute dog and we'll share pictures of her if you listen to our podcast. We are Two Idiots and a Dog, and we talk about movies and other media. And post pictures of our dog, Kaiju. New episodes post weekly on podpage.com slash T-I-A-A-D media. 
You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook at T-I-A-A-D Media and wherever fine podcasts are sold. So give us a listen. You wouldn't want to disappoint Kaiju. Are you on the hunt for indie podcasts with a dark side, but you're not quite ready to commit to subscribing to a new pod? Why not wet your beak with Spotlight on Darkcast? Each week we drop a new episode from one of the many shows on the Darkcast Network. Here you'll find true crime, brew crime, petty crime, retro horror, classic horror, true horror, spree killers, thrill killers, serial killers, breakfast serial killers, true paranormal, histories, mysteries, frauds, cheats, swindlers, two-timers, double-timers, four-flushers, cryptids, cryptography, astrology, virology, pathology, epidemiology, and people that fuck around with Ouija boards. Explore Spotlight on Darkcast. It's like dozens of superlative indie podcasts in one weekly package, and it can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. Spotlight on Darkcast. Fuck around and find out. And we're back. Hello. Hello. All right. So, Arcade Fire. Okay. All right. You want to count us in? Yeah. Okay. okay. Wait. One. Hang on. Wait, wait, wait. I know. <laughs> my answer has changed while you were thinking about your answer <laughs> okay so dangerous okay all right all right all right okay one two three it was so much oh i do like this yeah it's a lot but it's a lot it that is, i liked it is so much it's yes and good for them yeah honestly for making something all their own. Yeah. I enjoyed most of it. A couple of the albums I was like, shut up, Arcade Fire. But like, I did mostly get on board and I was like, this is a band I like now. Mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. And I didn't really want to because most of the people who talk about Arcade Fire are annoying men. Yes. And I thought that the band would sound like that. But yeah. they sort of do, but it worked on me anyway. Yeah. But just comparing it to some of the other things that we have liked recently and that I have chosen to dive into pretty intensely. Mm -hmm. It's like one might suppose from the lyrics and themes that if a person is mainlining Taylor Swift or if a person is mainlining Evanescence, you should worry about that person. Either of those people. Just because there's just a lot of intensity there. Yes. (laughs) In very different ways. Yeah. But no, the person you should worry about is your Arcade Fire friend, actually. Do not worry about your Evanescence friend. Worry about your Arcade Fire friend. And that's just like, I don't know. I just... It's counterintuitive. Yeah. But I think it's because the thing that we were talking about when we were talking about Evanescence was that like goths aren't actually that (laughs) sad. Yes, you're right. It's like if you're doing Evanescence, you're dealing with your shit. Or at least you're confronting it head on. Yes. Uh, Arcade Fire. There is something really like. Deep melancholy. Yes. It's contained and subsumed mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's buried but it's constantly there it, there's an ache it, it aches in your in the deep in the woodlands deep like like i didn't i didn't cry once during evanescence in all my evanescence listening I've, i i never cried to an evanescence song not huh. not a one time there are times where i felt like oh this touched me Mm-hmm. But okay, so then let's compare to when I was listening to all that Taylor Swift. I definitely did cry to Taylor Swift. Yes. But I cried like you cry to a Pixar movie. Like I cried because of the story she was telling me because she had drawn me into a story about her that, that I felt that I empathized with, that I like was now feeling because that's how stories work. Right, 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 right. Arcade Fire. I cried so much really? listening to Arcade Fire. And it, it wasn't about like, oh, they're telling me a sad story. It was. Mm-hmm. It's just about like the terrible vastness of being alive like Mm -hmm. it just like it has tapped something it it has accessed something about whoa but also joy kind of yeah (laughs) but that's how it's like smashing them together it's very joyful and very melancholic at the same time yeah okay 
have you ever been back for any of your college reunions? No. Okay. So I went back for my five-year reunion. Okay. And I had a very positive college experience. I feel a lot of connection with my school and with my friends who I I would love if my college would run a reunion, but they don't. Oh, okay. They have an alumni night that while I still lived in New York, it there's free wine. So the two years that I lived there after I went there, I attended that and got white girl wasted and threw up on the lawn. But that is not yeah. what you're talking about. No. <laughs> That's not the feeling you get with Arcade Fire. No, you're saying nostalgia. Yeah, it's like um, some of the lyrics in their first album, especially because I think their first album is brilliant. Yeah. Like, Funeral is an incredible album. Yeah. The lyrics in some of their songs are like, I walk around and I see like the flickering street lights and the falling snow and I think about how we used to play here, but it's not like we used to play here and then we like had a fight and broke up. It's like we we were children when we were here and now we're not and so my relationship to this place yes. has changed and that is sad. But we kind of still are. There's like a Lost Boys thing that they're doing like in especially the first couple albums, they kind of stopped doing it, but in their first couple albums there's this conceit that like the band Arcade Fire and anyone who is at this moment listening to their music is a child again. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think that's why they used Wake Up in the in that movie. There's just a lot of like we are in this the this like childlike state of being impressionable and having a sense of wonder. Yeah. That's just the premise of the album of the work. Yeah. What's the what's the line in Wake Up? It's children grow older, our bodies get bigger, but our hearts get um, yeah, your bodies get bigger, but your hearts get torn up. It's like everything turns into dust, turning every good thing to rust. I guess we'll mm-hmm. just have to adjust. Yeah. There's also, okay, it did make me feel like if I went back to high school, it would be good this time. Yeah. You know, and that's like a very emotionally charged thought. It, it was very like perks of being a wallflower, mm-hmm. like this like really romantic version of mm-hmm. coming of age. Yeah. But also tragic. Yeah. But also inevitable. Yeah. Good for them, man. Honestly, good for them. <laughs> yeah. The thing that popped into my head is, you know, the line from Shawshank Redemption, get busy living or get busy dying. Sure. But if we're going to start getting into like things that Arcade Fire says, the best ones I think we can agree are the first one and the last one. Yes. Oh, wait. Is it the first one? Shit, it might not be. It might be the other one that I randomly liked, which was Suburbs, which I heard. That's the like, third one. People, yeah. yeah. I don't know why. First one, third one, sixth one are the best ones. Yeah. Because first one's Funeral. Yeah. I don't know why. Suburbs just kind of really brought me in also. So I'm going to say it's actually Suburbs and We both end the album with a sentiment that's like, when it's all over, let's just do it again. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't get more like nostalgia than that. It doesn't yeah. get more like happy and sad at the same time. Right. The feeling of I made so many mistakes. I did so many things wrong. But if I had to go back and do it all again, I would change nothing. Yes. Yeah. That really gets you. Yeah. That's what we says. And suburbs, it's like less general. So it's it's less all encompassing, but more of a dart to me is that they specifically say, I would love to waste this time again. Mm -hmm. Like now that we wasted all this time, I would love to just that's what I would do again. If I had if I had the time back, I would waste it again with you. Yeah, which is a lovely sentiment. And I think it also helps that like the main creative force of the band is a married couple. And so I think when they're writing a lot of these songs like to each other, there's a lot of like nostalgia and longing there that you don't necessarily get in other projects just because it's usually pretty one side. Yeah. I do want to talk a little bit about how the band composes because I feel like this is the first band since I would say Tom Waits. (laughs) That is, if you want to talk about someone who we compare everything to. Yeah. (laughs) Who really pushes the limits of like how much sound you can hear at a time sometimes. Yeah. And it's very different because they're much more melodious. They're not like playing with atonality and things like that, but there's like seven, eight, nine instruments all like getting pushed at you at the same time while they're singing. It's not like a wall of sound. It's a tidal wave. Yeah. It's a barrage. It's very textured. Yeah. And I noticed, I'm going to change the subject. It's fine. It's fine. On suburbs there are a lot of like repeated lyrics that i only noticed because i chose to open the lyrics as it was happening because that helps me process it sometimes but there's like light motifs things that come back the same or like a little bit changed 
And I think that the thing that you're talking about, about like hometowns, that I think is the most alive in that album. Yeah. Because Funeral is more of a weird little magical journey where you dig tunnels from window to window, like that kind of- Through the snow. Yeah, like cute and storybooky. And Suburbs to me was like, there's a lot of allusions to like the war over the place. Yeah, that's right. And before and after that, and you said there would be a war and we would never be ready. And then now that it's after the war and there's a lot of like, it's almost like if in funeral, the band is still children and everyone who's listening is still children in suburbs. We're all delinquent teenagers mm-hmm. getting caught doing the wrong thing by the cops and scattering. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting how they chose to use such sneaky. I found it sneaky and I feel like I have a pretty acute ear, but like I didn't notice that they were repeating things until I read it out. Yeah. There is a line and I think it's we where it's like I'm standing on the edge with you at the decline of the American empire or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Which is really interesting to me because one that's their covid album and two they're Canadian. <laughs> so, I feel like they have that outsider's perspective of like, oh, it's really going Aren't to they shit, Haitian? isn't it? Arcade Fire? Yeah. No, they're all from Montreal. What were we saying? Oh, the decline of the American Empire. Yeah. Yeah. By we, I do, there were not kids anymore. It's a really interesting little career to yeah. just immerse yourself in for a few weeks. But it is sass. Feelings. Yes. There will you will you will have feelings if this is the main band that you're listening to for a few weeks. I can say with Confidence. recent experience. Yeah. I mean, I I think I told you this the other day that the only artists who really make me feel like true melancholy is Virginia Woolf. I realize that's not exactly true because there is also Lillian Hellman's plays have also okay. done it. Good example. And this got close. And this is just me personally, and I don't think this is a failing on their part because it is very hard for me to connect with melancholy in art in a way that feels empathetic. I don't usually have sympathy cries with art so it would be hard for me to have that same experience with arcade fire but i was yeah, able to it, like intellectually recognize the melancholy and i did feel the nostalgia yeah. like very strongly but nostalgia never makes me cry it just makes me feel wistful sure yeah yeah yeah. yes wistful is a good word i use that word too i mean i can only speak for my own experience but like i was trying to draw the distinction between sympathy cries and arcade fire cries when i cried for, ta for taylor swift because her boyfriend was is a dirtbag mm -hmm. that's a sympathy cry Gotcha. My arcade fire cries were for me, but not for anything specific. Like, we're just for like all the sadness. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, it's all out there. Mm -hmm. And we put some of it in this song to deliver to you. Yeah. We snatched some out of the atmosphere and built it into this sound. Yeah. This tidal wave of sound. Yeah. Like, I couldn't have told you if you said, why is this song making you cry? I could not have told you. Right. It's no one thing. Right. It's not like, oh, because of the refrigerator light or like, oh, because her sister died. It's like, I just feel very full and overwhelmed by human experience yeah on the note of their compositions did you notice any repeat musical themes between songs on the same album yeah i i noticed that they have it's like kind of part of their like signature thing that they have a driving repeated rhythm based motif like in wake up it's the same note over and over again. yeah like a galloping rhythm yes yeah, I noticed on Funeral, in one of the neighborhoods before Wake Up, yep. they have what sounds like the chorus of Wake Up, but it's only played on the violin and it's yes. in the background. Yes, I know what you're talking about. That was the moment where I was like, oh, there is a level of musical composition and musical density happening here that hasn't really been present in the last few musical acts that we've covered. Yeah. Everything feels very intentional. And like the album is, you wouldn't put it on shuffle. No, no. I, I've never listened to any of these on like shuffle. Like all of their work is carefully conceptualized. Yeah. People don't do that as much anymore. And I understand why, because the way we listen to music is changing and people don't listen to whole albums at all anymore and everything is just like pull the singles for the playlist and I know that that makes some musical artists sad but you can't fight change and there's good things about it and I don't like to be curmudgeonly like that but it is nice that Arcade Fire is still working very much in that mode. I agree. I feel like that is a good 
point for us to transition to who do you think Arcade Fire is for? Yeah, like Evanescence, <laughs> the fan base is a problem, I think. Yes. Who Arcade Fire thinks it's for or who thinks Arcade Fire is for them is like for them. Right. I don't like that. that that's not what I want. That's not a club I want to be a part of. Right. I don't think. And there is like, there is something like when I was trying harder to like impress boys, I listened to like Neutral Milk Hotel. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And like the shins. Yeah. And like, this is not far from that. Like this is no, a, it's a not. hop, skip and a jump. They're it's, the same neighborhood. It's close, but it is somehow less silly to me. And it might just be because of like when I paid attention to them, but yeah. they now feel like that's silly. Or it might just be because of all the boys who tried to tell me how much less silly Neutral Milk Hotel was than Carly Rae Jepsen. Right. And it's like, that's not right. Yeah. Okay, so the fan base is a problem, but who is it actually for? Like, I don't know. It's good. People with taste. Yeah. People with taste who can handle it. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. <laughs> People with taste and extra feelings mm-hmm. that they want like it like, you know, if you wanna if you wanna cry it out, like I highly recommend an Arcade Fire album, but also if you wanna cry it out and celebrate at the same time. <laughs> yeah. In your car or on a walk. Yeah. I guess that's who it's for. Just anyone who wants that. Yeah. I think if you are at all like, oh, that one song, Wake Up, that's one of the best songs that's been written in the last 20 years. What else has that band done? A lot of good stuff. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff. I I still think Wake Up is the best one, though. Of their songs. Yeah. It's hard to top. I Yeah. It's an incredible song. Some of the other things that we've done where like we know a couple going in, Mm -hmm. those ones have not turned out to be the best ones. Like yeah. Taylor Swift or Evanescence or Evanescence, but this, I think you can trust, you can trust the 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 world's taste. That, but honestly, give the new one, the the fresh album. It's really good, just uh, the whole way through. Yeah, and there's there's good songs Sound scattered experience. throughout. Yeah, I think if you are at all interested in like revisiting the early to mid aughts, either emotionally or sonically, then. Arcade yeah, Fire well, is free. Oh, that's why the suburbs got me because it was 2010, the year of the best music. Yeah, and I think part of the reason that the nostalgia for this worked for me is because, and I would imagine you feel this way too, that this music is so connected for me with my experience in my like late teens and early 20s. That like it just is. the fact of it being on. It is, but I don't know why it is because I didn't really listen to it that closely. Like I just knew that other people were listening to it and I didn't even... It just like knows how to make itself feel that way. Yeah. Me, I guess. But it's also part of the like vibe of that style of music from that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the vibe. It feels very of its time in the same way that in the same way that Evanescence has fallen feels very two thousand and three. Mm. Funeral feels very two thousand four indie rock. Yeah. And also like Evanescence. Look, they were recording at the exact same time. Yeah, honestly, they're interesting foils for each other the they more really I think are. about it. <laughs> Don't let the fan base discourage you from finding what you can find in it. Yeah. Because it's being revered in a, in a way that I don't love. (laughs) Yeah. Even though I think it's very good. It's not that I think it's undeserving. It just like really reminds me of like a certain man boy who believes himself to be evolved. Yeah. But who is in fact evolved enough to have feelings, but not to not make them. Your problem. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a that's a good progression into what would you do if someone came up to you at a party and said that Arcade Fire was their favorite band. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, they're so good, but that is such a red flag. Yeah. Although I do think it depends on the person. If that is a man who is saying that to you, definite red flag, no question. Yes. If it is a not male person or any sort of queer person, I'm like, go on. Or I will say if it is, no, no, no. Because I think a lot of men who love Arcade Fire are musicians. Yeah. That's part of the problem. Yes, it is. <laughs> and I don't want to hear about it. Right. But I don't know. I'm thinking of two men who have brought up Arcade Fire to me. And one of them led with, because they are the best live show I've ever seen. 
And that changed it for me. And honestly, after listening to them, there were multiple songs where I was like, oh, and I don't go to a lot of live music. You know this. But I was like, oh, this would be incredible live. Yeah. Like just I'm sure they smash. Yeah. Like I'm sure they annihilated. Yeah. If you're going to be a man person and say for that reason, that does change it for me a little bit. Mm hmm. I think just like try to if you're if you're a man and that's your favorite band, just like bury it a little bit, like roll it out slow because that's it is a red flag to me. Yeah, it doesn't have to be as qualified as it was with, say, Tom Waits, Uh where we were like, they need to lead with. Listen, I know he's so weird. Yeah, I think you could be like, I know it's like every bro's favorite band. Yeah, but it's it's cliche. But yeah, I know it's cliche, but Arcade Fire. But they're they're just so good. Yeah, you don't need to run away, but I do think that you can can ask them to say more. I do think generally part of my message in this podcast is like, don't let someone make you feel. I love when we can listen to something that I can be like, no one should make you feel stupid for not knowing this thing. It is not worth all the cachet that we've given it. I don't want someone to make you feel stupid for not knowing Arcade Fire, but I do think that they are, their mouth is where their money is. Right. They're as good as you've been led to believe. Yeah. Yeah. And if you've been like, ugh, it's been talked up too much. I'm not going to like it. Just check. Just double check for yourself. Yeah. Because you might be missing out on one of the most visionary musical acts of our times. Yeah. And it's interesting that they are because they're not, I was thinking about it, they're not as strong lyrically as, say, Taylor Swift. No. But they are incredible at writing lyrics that work perfectly with the music and vice versa. Yeah. Like they just create a soundscape that evokes a feeling. Their process. Yeah, same. Like how like do they just like start playing things? It feels like it must be like born whole every time. Like do they just like start playing things and then just like muttering? Because it's not they don't usually have like a like a complex rhyme scheme. Right. Or like a careful structure. (laughs) No. They kind of just say whatever. Right. But it it's it really is one of the first acts that we've listened to where it feels composed with a capital C. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think I know the answer to this, but is it in your curriculum? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Do you think it goes in School of Rock? Yes. Okay. Is there anything else you would put it in? Honestly, I want to use Arcade Fire in like movement class. I want to be like, I'm just going to put this on and you guys tell me a story with your bodies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some theater major shit. Mm-hmm. But like, I think it's I think it's right for that. Yeah. For your, if listen, if you're a theater major and you got a movement final, I did a movement final to Lady Gaga's Paparazzi. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> and it was very fun. But if you're looking for something with a little more heft, consider Arcade Fire. Yeah, I agree. It's also in my curriculum. I don't know. I mean, I would put it in School of Rock. I don't know where else I would put it, but it's definitely on there. There might be other classes that, as has happened a couple of times in the curriculum, there are other classes after we've done a few more things that I'm like, oh, looking at the board, there's like four things here that could really all go under one heading. Yeah. Like we've got the Lady Auteurs, which we've never really like talked about, talked about, but I've just been throwing stuff on there. Sure. Yeah. That's a good category. I might put them in Mythologizing Americana. Even though they're not American. <laughs> Even though they're Canadian. Well, they they have an interesting perspective as we, we talked about. We Regina Spector. We did argue about that during the Regina Spector episode. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but like the work is that. Yeah. I would put it in like postmodern rock and roll, like the evolving, evolving rock and roll. Yeah. We'd really just picked a, a really auspicious moment to do them because listening to them go from their from one great album to what is, I think, inarguably their other best album just yeah. now. And honestly, I might, I think I like it better than Funeral. Controversial. I think if there's, there are just in Funeral, there's like a couple that I like would skip. There's like a couple skips. Yes. On Funeral. Yeah. For me. Right. And We? It's called We? It's called We. No skips. It's, really it's solid a whole, the whole way through. Because it feels like one long song. Yeah. Nothing hits the high of Wake Up, but there's also no skips. I think that's, that something does, but I know that the world does not agree because it's not in their top five. All five of their top five most listened to songs are off that album right now in the mm-hmm. Spotify, and none of them are the one that I think is the, the wake up of the album. So I must be wrong. But to listen to them go from something so good to something so good and never be 
bad in Mm -hmm. between and have like a meaningful evolution but stay so very much themselves is like exciting yeah like just an exciting idea of artistic growth and integrity yeah so before i forget don't forget to follow us on all of our social media you can find the show at sophisticate pod i am on tiktok and twitter at anxious arch face sydney where can they find you on tiktok uh at trash analysis i have no other socials I'm thinking about getting a Twitter. I mean, you have one. I do have one, and Barack Obama follows me, but I'm thinking about using it. (laughs) Yeah, you can do that. And also, don't forget to rate and review our show wherever you find your podcast, wherever you listen. Every review really helps. We do read them all. And just a reminder that once we get to 100 reviews, we will be watching and reading Twilight. 100 five-star reviews. Yeah, we do really appreciate all of the five-star reviews we do really appreciate the support and also tell your friends if you think that this show would be fun for them just tell them to listen to our show yeah our whole back catalog is out there it's easy to access and they don't have to start from the beginning just start them with something that they're interested yeah yeah we sort of designed this to be like you take the ones that feel right to you yeah that about does it for us here at i'm a sophisticate and so can you good night and good luck